Oh my goodness. I can't believe it. I'm super, super pumped. It is time for the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix here in Pittsburgh. And last year was the first year we used Tech Vibe Radio as a quick little promo about what's going on with all the great events around the Grand Prix. We nerded out with a bunch of folks dealing with automotive technology in the Pittsburgh area because Pittsburgh is a car town at the end. It has a long history that goes back to really the beginning of the car. And at tonight's show, I just couldn't be more excited to dedicate it to the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix. I know Audrey really wants to be here. She is not available to be part of the interviews, but uh, she's a car nerd herself, too. And so we'll pour a little motor oil over the curb for her in an environmentally friendly sort of way <laughs> to, to say that we, we're thinking of you there, Audrey, and we wish you could be here with us. But anyhow, we are actually kicking off the show with Dan Del Bianchino. Bianco. Bianco. See, I get terrible with names sometimes, so I apologize. And you've run the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix at the end of the day. Uh, as I tell people, I'm responsible for everything that goes wrong. Oh, and there you got go. 1,400 volunteers <laughs> exactly. that work say, hard and, right. and deserve the pat on the back. And it's you had some very passionate volunteers. And he said, without them, it does not happen. We do. It's incredible. It's, it's humbling to see the amount of time, work, effort, dedication they put in. Uh, that it's that's what makes this event possible. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So a little history on the Grand Prix is like over thirty years old, right? Well, I heard you mention earlier yeah. Tech Council started in nineteen eighty three. Right? Same year as us. That Whoa, was our first year. See, that's what I'm talking about. So you guys are thirty six <laughs> years old. That's yeah. and that time's going by fast. It does. And it's one of the last like Grand Prix in the country that's on a closed course, like through the Shenley Park. We are, yeah, we're the only vintage race in the country on city streets. On city streets, okay. Or on, or on streets for that matter, uh-huh. you know, public roads. Uh, and every now and then a vintage race will pop up somewhere. They had one in Colorado. They okay. did it for a year or two. But it's but not the 36 years no, on that same basic stretch of Shenley Park. And also, it, it's more than Shenley Park. You have great events down at Pitt Race the week before. But to me, the Grand Prix is always Shenley Park. It's still the, the premier event, but we've now filled 11 days. And so you talk exactly. about Pit Race. Ju- it's like so July 11th? July 11, 12, 13, and 14. And joining us up there is going to be the Shelby Club for the National Convention. Whoa. That's so some serious that first weekend will right? be loaded with Shelbys and Mustangs. That's our mark of the year. And then we roll through the week with parties all over the place right. and then finish up at Shenley Park. And that's where yeah. the dedication of the volunteers Tears, right? is really evident because most of them are at all 11 days. They're there every day. Yes. They're really kicking butt. Yeah, I love it. That's so cool. Especially, I know, I can only imagine the complexity of getting all those cars onto the grid, <laughs> keeping the crowd where they're supposed to be, <laughs> making sure people have water, <laughs> all these yeah. little details. That, that, that pull, But every year you pull it off, and it's a great time, and you can bring your whole family down there. And it's free. Shenley Park is I still mean, free. It's still You go to Shenley Park, and you, there's great views. It's a little walk around the golf course, and you can see some crazy cool cars just Gunning for it around the corners, tires squealing, engines roaring. I get so excited. I do too. <laughs> Every year I usually bring a car out and put it on the field because it's always fun to be kind of part of the car show and everything. So it's fun to walk the car show. There's great food and there's racing and friendly people everywhere. And it raises money for charity. And let's talk about the charity and how much money you've raised and how that's really been helping. People. So just last year we went over the $5 million marks. We're wow. about $5.5 million okay. for autism charities here in Pittsburgh. Gotcha. And, uh, and the charities are very involved with us as well as, as volunteers. Definitely. It's a real team effort. Without a doubt. I mean, I'm just thinking about the positive impact that's had on people's lives. And you're doing it while you're having a good time doing something fun that's making Pittsburgh a great place to live. I mean, this is like a cultural attraction for Pittsburgh at the end of the day. I mean, I'm, I'm seeing really people. I, actually, many, many years ago, I met a gentleman who came in from, I think, California. 
to be part of the Grand Prix. And this guy was a really nice guy. He actually hung out with me like all day long. I was on, I was on Porsche Hill, mm-hmm. and he was looking at my Targa at the time. And he felt he would not stop asking me questions about my Targa. He wanted to buy it from me. I was like, <laughs> it's not for sale yet. <laughs> but anyhow, there are but, some transactions yeah, that take place on the it. golf course. Absolutely. But it, to me, it was great to see that there are people coming from around the country, and I bet you from around the world, to take part in this because it's such an epic event. We do. I mean, there's a... It, quarter of a million people that, that come that in for is? the event. Wow. Uh, it's, it's hard to keep track at Shenley Park. We do our best, but, you know, with 11 days of activities, right. you know, it's one of the biggest events in the city and, and one of the biggest car events uh, in the country. Exactly. I keep telling some of my friends from Texas to come up. I can't get them to come up. I'm like, come on, you got to be part of this. You got to be part of this. So as you said, there's a bunch of events that lead up to it. So I think it's kind of fun. It's kind of like a countdown yes. as far as that goes. And there's car shows around the city. And they said there's some black tie events. Tell me about some so of we started all of those. We started the black tie uh, almost twenty years ago, and the idea was to do it a week beforehand and get a little bit of press and build a little bit of excitement. Right, right. And we've added parties and such, and it's now to the point where every one of those events is self-sustaining. It raises so it, it's money its on own its own. Thing, right. It has its own identity from the the races at Pit Race. Right. Uh, there's a black tie this year on July 13th at Carnegie Museum. I always like the show in Shady Side as well. And too. then the next, yep, yeah, the following event is the Monday in Shady Side. It's always a nice laid back, uh, casual event. You know, it's held a couple of miles from where the exactly. races are, and we do a, a car cruise at the waterfront. Uh, I've been to that right one as well too. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, so now you're getting closer to the race week, and then we really step it up. The Wednesday show, it's a show downtown that we now parade the cars over from Station Square and park at plazas in U.S. Steel, Market Square, PPG, and Point State Park. So we've got a couple of hundred cars rolling through town. It's always exciting. Do you know what I love as part of part of the week? Where you, you see people that are going to and from the show, so you find some really cool cars out there. Yeah. Many, many years ago, I was riding my bicycle down Fifth Avenue, and I came across, I'm not lying, a Ford GT40 broken down on Fifth Avenue. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. <laughs> it was like, there's like a multi million dollar car with a guy standing there. Car's not running. We had a, a Porsche 356 race car in the parade that ran out of gas. Oh. <laughs> and of course, it's race fuel, so it t- took a while took to, a while to, get to pull that together. <laughs> um, and you take a couple hour break after the Wednesday car show, and then we move over to Heinz Field for the tune up, which has become a monstrous event. Oh, I park. It. Yeah. 400 cars around Heinz Field and down onto the River Walk. Yep. And then go into the Champions Club. So cool. And uh, and then event that's now in its third year is the uh, Passport to Elegance Jet Center Party. Ooh, wow. That's on Thursday the 18th. That might be too fancy for me. It's pretty fancy. It's uh, I mean, we bring in vintage airplanes. Ooh, cool. This year we've got a, a P-51 Mustang fighter plane coming in to, to honor the... Mustang Mark of the Year. Very cool. We'll have the new uh, 2020 GT500 Mustang, the 800 horsepower I've been, car. I've been reading all about that. Yeah, Absolutely. so it'll be here. It's actually, be here. It'll wow. be here for almost all of race week. Wow. Um, Obviously, because it's being the Mark, like it's the place to showcase it, right? right? So we'll be unveiling it uh, at a couple of spots, wow. including the downtown show. Um, and then even on Friday, we uh, used to have a reception for the racers, and now we have them drive their race cars through Squirrel Hill. Mm-hmm. Park on Forbes Avenue at like six thirty. Line them up, exactly. roll into Orr's Jewelers for a little bit of a party. So it's, go. it's good it's stuff. Just Eleven straight so days. There's plenty of stuff to go. Go to pvgp.org. Check it all out because there's something you can go to. It's always nearby. It's always fun. It's always friendly. Can't recommend it enough. And you're raising 
a lot of money for autism. Yeah. Can't thank you enough, Dan, for hanging out with us tonight. You know, we have Chip Ganassi stopping by today. Pretty exciting stuff. This guy's like a race hero legend. He's here in Pittsburgh, and we're going to talk about all types of fun stuff when it comes to engineering and technology, when it comes to making race cars, race cars, and how that trickles down to the cars you drive today. So I think it's fantastic stuff. I do, too. Thank you for having us, John. Of course. No, we can't think of a better way to spend a July here on Tech Vibe Radio. Hey, we're taking a quick break. This is Jonathan Kirsting from the Pittsburgh Technology Council. You can learn more about us at pghtech.org. And I will see you in just a few seconds. Welcome back, everybody. Oh, my goodness. Having such a great time with Tech Vibe Radio tonight, talking about the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix pvgp.org so many things happening and i have some guilty parties hanging out with me tonight some of the folks that kind of help put this whole show together we have mike broker mike thanks for hanging out with us absolutely always a pleasure Jonathan. in your in, in your daytime stuff you're hanging out with epiphany that's right solar right, right? yeah the water purification systems for the shale gas and and uh, the drinking water in the developing world yeah but, uh, the, today it's about cars and exactly it's great to be here at Chip Ganassi Racing, and I Chip know. was nice enough to, to leave, and so we, he said uh, we could I take guess his, we take the cars downstairs. Yeah, we're going to be drag racing, actually, yeah. in a few minutes, so be careful. <laughs> They're setting my uh, Hans device up right now, um, <laughs> but I digress. And we also have Sam LaManna here. Sam, you you were like a long-time volunteer at Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix, plus you got a pretty cool company yourself, Default. Is that your company? Yes, Default Solutions yeah. is the name of my company. And um, thank you, Jonathan, for uh, having me and, and here at Chip Ganassi Racing. It's, it's uh, again, really about the, the Pittsburgh Vantage Grand Prix for me. Definitely. A volunteer since about 2002. So, uh, and finally uh, working on the race side. Uh, of the of the Grand Prix, so I enjoy that, and and uh, obviously Porsche cars. You and me both. That's yes. all I can say. That's right, man. It's like people Someone sometimes has to have the best cars. Right? Some, sometimes people say you're a car guy. I'm like, I'm a car guy. I'm more of just a Porsche guy. But exactly. I digress. Anyhow, and of course, Dan, thanks for hanging out with us. Continue to hang out. Uh, as being part of this, and, and uh, once again, congratulations on putting together what's going to be like the 36th, 37th. This will be 37. Oh my goodness, man, that's crazy! How many years have you have you been? Fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah. I was at that very first vintage Grand Prix. I lived on Dawson Street yeah. in Oakland when I went to Pitt. Okay. And that was my my last year, my senior year. Nice. And we just went over the bridge into Shenley Park with uh, my my now wife and uh, some friends of ours, and hung out on a blanket and watched the very watched first the cars one. goodbye. Yep. So are you saying all those all those guys and girls so at CMU? That's what they're supposed to do. Absolutely. Uh, race yep. weekend. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Just out. come on out. Have some fun. Uh, and, and that's I I think the you know the the younger folks now really it's a treat to uh, to come out and see all these old vehicles and, and and watch these guys honestly race them around the track it's unbelievable it blows my mind when you see some very expensive rare cars like literally fender to fender sometimes so there's a funny story from that first year you remember the race is ending abruptly yes yes I the do. Um, the Marine Corps reserves were Uh-oh. brought out to to be security. And one side forgot to tell the other that we were supposed to feed them. And so they were out on station acting as security. And the guy in charge was like, where's the lunches? And nobody knew that we were the Grand Prix was supposed to supply them. And at, what, 2, 2.30 in the afternoon, he said, that's it. We're going. And they marched off the course. Good thing you didn't hire the Hells Angels. (laughs) (laughs) You'd in real trouble then. (laughs) You'd have been in real trouble. So let's talk a little bit about, like, you know, the future of the Grand Prix with you new know, technology changing as fast as it is, people's interest changing the way it is. It's, it's hard to get the kids 
interested in, in, in cars as much. Well, and, what I would love to see yeah. personally, I mean, it's Richard Volker uh, said in his segment with Cheap, uh, Chip that... Uh, and they're coming this, right up, which is so exciting, because we're, we're, we're warming up for Chip and for Rich. You got know, it. And thing. so, you know, a little preview of that, yeah. that, that Pittsburgh was the center of the automotive universe. It was Motor City back in the early days, and now we're the center of the automated vehicle universe. Exactly. And I would love to throw the gauntlet down to all the automated vehicle guys out there, the Argos and the Ubers of the world, to have a showcase at the Vintage Grand Prix, the, the Vintage 2020 vision of, of just having them run around. They don't need to race, but to to have that to be the, the next vintage right. of vehicles. And I think that, that whole generation of all the, the PTC folks, the, the geeks out there, uh, that's the, the new world that will meld very nicely, I think, right. with the old world of vintage vehicles out there. You know, it's really cool. So we've interviewed a number of folks from, from Uber and almost every person we've interviewed, they're still car guys. There like, you go. Yeah, right? which, which is kind of I love I love seeing that. But I do I think it'd be really cool if there could be some sort of a showcase of all the different Pittsburgh tech. I mean, even looking at some of the companies like the Covestros and the PPGs of the world, yep. when you look at the materials that they produce, it allows you to make the cars where you can make them, make them efficient, make them pretty, all the things in between. I think having like a little showcase of Pittsburgh still a car town Absolutely. Would, be, would be really really interesting. So Dan, make it happen. Okay. <laughs> I need a little bit of your help. Absolutely. We'll do that. We can, we, we can find the companies. I, I just did a road trip 2.0 tour a few weeks ago in a Tesla Model S. So I took the Model S and I drove about 200 miles. I went to PPG. I went to Convestro. I went to a U.S. Steel. I also went to places like Rapid Flow Technologies that's doing mapping. I don't know. Sorry, Rapid Flow actually does traffic light timing, and they actually senses cars and allows traffic to flow smoothly. All Vision Systems, which does actual like crowdsourcing of mapping for autonomous vehicles. So we were able to show every little kind of like corner of large and small companies that are playing a role in autonomous vehicles and electric vehicles in Pittsburgh. So I've got all the contacts there. Well, that okay. and those guys, the Tesla guys. They should have their own group out there exactly. on the golf course as well. So Te- all those Tesla guys. Yeah, yeah, there's a nice, big, huge Tesla owners group. Our own Brian Kennedy at the Tech Council. He's got a Model 3. Well, there you go. And I've learned so much just through him. Like, yeah. oh, my goodness, there's a passion. Not quite as passionate as the Porsche guys there, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well, maybe they should uh, look at uh, doing a um, demonstration on the, on the golf course this year, too. They should, what they should do in the Teslas is a whiplash competition. <laughs> I'll tell you, I mean, if, if all of us here, we all like to drive cars, right? Yes. The torque in a Tesla is amazing. Like, I did not want to like the Tesla when I drove it. I was like, no, I only like internal combustion engines. I like, I like explosions happening in my car. Burning fuel. Burning fuel. And, oh, my goodness, I was like, I kind of... Ludicrous mode. Is, yeah. You're up for it, right? Even without the ludicrous mode, it's like... It's way fast. That's all I can say. And you've got a TV. And you, a, <laughs> and you can watch TV while you're going. You, you definitely have a TV going on there. And actually, what's crazy, I've used the autonomous mode when I was testing the car, which kind of blew my mind. It worked really well for stop-and-go traffic, like when you're sitting on the parkway to get to work. It just follows the car, stops, follows, nice. stops. And it's like you can not have to be so stressed being angry that you're not doing anything. I wasn't, I wasn't the biggest fan of like doing 70 on the inside lane while that thing is taken over. I, I have trust issues. Yeah. That's all <laughs> I can say. I have trust issues. I'm sure it'd be more comfortable than me as a passenger with my 16-year-old son driving. It, that's interesting. About point. the same thing. It's about the same thing. Absolutely. <laughs> it, it's amazing to, to see all that. I'm an old car technology guy. I used to write software for cars. 
And the, where this, that all started with the mapping technology was a little company called ETAC in okay. Menlo Park, California. Really? And it was, it was funded by Nolan Bushnell, who did Atari and Chuck E. Cheese. And Chuck E. Cheese. And, and he gave them the first 500000 and GM invested, and they okay. started to digitize the streets. And before GPS, right. they had wheel sensors and a compass. Wheel and you sensors to, and a compass. And you had to calibrate the car. You had to run it in circles. And that's how that all started. Really? And then the next exit up in Silicon Valley was Trimble Navigation. And that's how they started the GPS and the cross-pollination right. of the two companies. So oh, everything cool. that we have today... All those maps that, that are on our, on our phones, on the internet, on you know, in the cars now, right. all started right there back then, about 1986. That's amazing stuff. And you were on the, you were there watching it. I was like, the, the the feeble project manager for Delco on that project. Is that what it was? These brilliant eight engineers at, at ETAC. They were right. stunning. Yeah. That's yeah. so cool, man. That's so cool. So we've got about a minute or so left. So Sam, what's your favorite part about volunteering at the at the Grand Prix every year? I, I think the best part of it is. There's two things. One, knowing that it's it's going for the great cause. Yeah. And and um, also just the opportunity to to meet and work with all the different drivers in the team. Definitely. Um, you, you just see some um, amazing vehicles and, and people that are, are are very passionate about about the sport. Absolutely. So go to pvgp.org. Check it out. All types of great events. Sam's going to be there lining cars up on the grid. Mike will be drinking beer. And uh, <laughs> I'll be hanging out, doing what we can do. And uh, up next, we have the Chip Ganassi from Chip Ganassi Racing, along with his longtime friend Richard Volker from the Don Allen Chevrolet family, which is just so cool to have these two guys really geek out with us about all things automotive and tech. This is Jonathan Kirsting with the Pittsburgh Technology Council. Learn more about us at pghtech.org. Hold on tight. We're driving right on in. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Tech Vibe Radio, and this is my favorite time of the year because the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix is right around the corner. Cannot wait. It is like two weeks of nonstop action, all things automotive. And last year, for the first time, we combined the show to basically talk about all things Pittsburgh tech and automotive to promote the show because the show... The Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix is this amazing, amazing event where it raises money for autism and brings out the best, the coolest cars and the coolest people. And so for us to promote it, it's fantastic. But this year we said we're going to raise the stakes. And we have raised them, I think, as high as you can possibly get them when it comes to automotive legends. We're talking to Chip Ganassi from Chip Ganassi Racing. I did not even realize that he is, like, here in Pittsburgh. Like Everyone knows the name, but no, he's a Pittsburgh guy. I'm like, we got to talk to him. And he brought his best friend with him, Richard Volker, who's also a Pittsburgh native. And he kind of harkens back to the uh, Don Allen Chevrolet days, which we all know. But he's doing some other things now. And we're going to nerd out about all things what these guys are up to, technology around racing, automotive stuff. Guys, thanks for hanging out with us today. Can't thank you enough. Thanks, John. Yeah. Great to be here. So first and foremost, Chip, a little introduction. I mean, I, almost you don't need an introduction because I was doing some research on you, and your racing career was absolutely amazing, and then you've turned that into an even bigger business, which is just so, so cool. So tell us about yourself real quick. Well, I uh, you know, obviously grew up here in uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, my home's here today, uh, and I go back to when I was uh, five years old. My father uh, paved a go-kart track out near Periopolis, Pennsylvania. Is that where it all started? That's where it all started, really. And, Very uh, cool. Yeah, and uh, soon after that, it was uh, dirt bikes at Seven Springs, and uh, from there, it was uh, you know on to cars when I was 18 or 19 years old. And there was no turning back. No turning back. What made you decide you wanted to be a race car driver? I think that's every kid's dream, right? But yeah. you actually made that come true. I was... Uh, 
you know, I was at that age, I was too lazy to work and too nervous to steal. So uh, <laughs> racing was the only thing left. And uh, no, I, I, I you know, I'd, I'd been involved in motorsports, uh, you know, from an early age. I had sort of a, as some people say, a, a fossil fuel fired youth. There you go. Everything from go karts to dirt bikes, snowmobiles, ATVs. If that had a motor, you're into it, right? If it had a motor, I was on it, yeah. And uh, so I think cars were just a natural progression of that. And cars were a natural progression for Rich Volker over here because, as I mentioned before, your, your heritage goes back to the Don Allen Chevrolet days. And then you were living in the same neighborhood as this guy over yeah, here. <laughs> that was a stroke of bad luck. Um, no, seriously. What I like about Pittsburgh is its automotive history. By 1905, there was 20 manufacturers, and Pittsburgh was called the Motor City in this country. People forget how many people were building it's, cars. It really is amazing. And where our dealerships were was on Bomb Boulevard, which became the first auto row. Exactly. It also had the first drive-through gas station, and had the first radio station as well with KDKA. So Absolutely. the history that was there. Don Allen um, actually sold cars in the summertime. As he was a school principal out of Zanesville, Ohio. And he became the first true mega dealer. So my father, so I think there was 15 different Chevrolet stores along the eastern shoreboard. My dad, right out of World War II, started working for him in 1950, 49, gotcha. something like that. Right. And um, became his go-to guy for acquisitions. So after Miami, Florida, Wilmington, Delaware, New York City, pick a, pick a city, we were there. And the story I like is that anytime Don Allen would come to a city where a store was, he would take the taxi cab and say, take me to the largest Chevrolet store. Uh, pressure on. Uh-huh. <laughs> that didn't work. So that's, part of, the, that's part of the legacy that right. uh, we've enjoyed a lot. I mean, the name, you haven't been around for a while, but the name still rings true probably 15 years later. Oh, yeah. And you've transitioned on to some other cool stuff. You've been in real estate and now into energy. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, first, I'd like to say, if I had a dollar for every time I bought my first car from Don Allen Chevrolet, I wouldn't be sitting here right now. I can now. only imagine, absolutely. <laughs> uh, it was fun in those days, but uh, we realized uh, some other things, being an urban dealership, and uh, some of the challenges that came with aging buildings and uh, right, Teamsters, right. unions, um, and by accident, we kept buying real estate as the other dealerships were leaving thinking that we could reinvent ourselves as a suburban type of store in the city. So about 12 years ago, we uh, we shut her down, which was not an easy task. That's got to be tough. And uh, then you have to reinvent yourself. But uh, we had something north of 10, 11 acres, all contingent. And, um, in a really good part of town the last time I Well, it turned out to be a good Absolutely. idea. So uh, it's now a couple of hotels, multifamily, retail and office. And yeah. it's been... And it's uh, really the heart of what's making the East End be the East yeah. End these days. And back then, it was the med-ed right. economic drivers that were driving some of those decisions we were making. It's today, the, it's, it's... It's the technology it scene is. that's doing it with it. Exactly. But today, um, I've enjoyed another transition, much like Pittsburgh, because... Pittsburgh being the motor city, it's now considered the energy capital of the world. So my uh, my time is spent predominantly with um, three companies that we put together as an alliance, okay. working with CMU with a software platform that's really interesting, managing large building portfolios. We brought another company from New Jersey called Luminex, which is a power distribution, low-voltage 
DC nano grid, Super which is really interesting. Really cool stuff. And we collided that with procurement on how and when we buy energy for commercial businesses. We've got some key pieces in place. So those are really interesting times because right. uh, things are happening to breakneck speed. And at the end of the day, you're still a car guy, right? Love cars, like to go fast. All I remember was this. About 20 minutes ago, we were hightailing out of the parking lot to come here, and I heard your uh, F-Pace. Nice <laughs> exhaust note going on there. It was a burble, and I could hear it. Yes. It was pretty cool. But we were actually at Chip Ganassi Racing right now. I'm so amazed this is in Pittsburgh. I mean, you can have this place any place in the world. I mean, obviously, you were flying around the world. Tell us about Chip Ganassi Racing. I mean, you have a NASCAR team, an Indy team, a WEC team, an IMSA teams. How do you keep up with all the action? It's crazy. Well, you know, Jonathan, it takes a lot of good people. Obviously, you met some of them here today. And, uh, you know, we've had the good fortune over the years to accrue over 200 wins in, in these various series that we're in. That is a serious accomplishment. And Thank you. And, uh, you know, we just won our 216th race last weekend in Detroit at the Detroit Grand Prix uh, with Scott Dixon behind the wheel. And... Uh, we have our, our NASCAR team. We're headed to Michigan this weekend, where we've won three or four times in that race. So we're looking forward to going back to Michigan to NASCAR this weekend. Next weekend, we have the 24 Hours of Le Mans coming up in uh, in France, of course. Just that is the big one, right there. That's the big one, and uh, we've of course won that in 2016. So have you ever driven down the Mulsanne Straight at 200 miles an hour yourself? I have done the Mulsanne Straight. I've done the Mulsanne Straight quite a bit faster than 200 miles an hour. I was going to say, so what, what, what's been your fastest speed down the Mulsanne Straight? I love nerds. So yeah, in the, back in the day, in 1987, I drove for Mercedes at Le Mans, and we were clocked at. 248 on the Mulsanne straight Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. At what yeah, point does the qualified. car not like, just take off and start flying? Well, actually, you know, the, it, 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 the car actually sucks down. Yeah, I guess the, the faster you go, the, the more it sucks the down. The more it sucks down, yeah. yes, yes. And, uh, my brain would still be saying, I'm going to take off at any minute. <laughs> right, right. And, uh, but, yeah, so we had a lot of fun there over the years, and uh, it's nice to go back and have, have, have won there. Uh, we beat Ferrari much like uh, Ford did in 1966. Right. We repeated that feat. In uh, 2016. So tell us about that real quickly because that was just absolutely amazing. That was literally 50 years after. 50 years to the day, as a matter of fact. And, uh, you know, it was just a a serendipitous day there. We were, you know, we were were all running in the top, you know, three sort of all day long uh, from Saturday, of course, through till Sunday. And um, uh, just, uh, you know, it takes great drivers, it takes a great team. And, uh, and a lot of technology. A lot of technology. Too. Things fell into place, and uh, there we were. We went from uh, we saw the car for the first time in uh, in in uh, in November, and by June we'd won the twenty four hours of Le Mans. So uh, with it, so we were in pretty industry, happy. With yeah, a race that's so competitive like that to pull that off. Mm-hmm. My Pittsburgh guy. Yes. Come on, that's why I think. No, this is you, why know, I mean, I, you know, I think yeah. I think you know when you say a Pittsburgh guy, you know, but I think. You know, when it comes to sports in Pittsburgh, you know people people expect you to do well. They expect you like that. They expect uh, absolutely. They expect good good things to happen. So we work hard and try to. Do, do you ever that. consider making your colors black and gold? You know, it's uh, for you know for the right amount of uh, sponsorship, exactly. we would do that. Sure, <laughs> absolutely. It's such a cool story to know that this is what you do out here in Pittsburgh and mm-hmm. growing that. I mean, literally, it's like an empire. I mean, you were just like. World renowned around this, and you're doing it here from Pittsburgh. So I want to switch gears. We got a couple minutes before, before we go to break. When you guys first met, way back when, did you think that you know what? Forty years later, fifty years, fifty years later, 
you'd be here doing what you're doing now. I mean, that, that's pretty amazing. You're just two, two cut-ups in Fox Chapel there, uh, putting a, putting a lawnmower engine onto something, right? Well, if you remember spanking our gang, yeah. it's more than just Chip and myself. Okay. We have many friendships and many legacy kind of things because there's stories that uh, aren't allowed to be told. So. <laughs> exactly. They're still no, still- but it was a great, a great neighborhood to grow up in with a lot of great families and right. great, great kids and great... Great, great friends of ours and, and great dads and moms that made it all possible and uh, absolutely you know uh, it was a uh, it was a uh, and 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 when you look back really on 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 the group of people it's a lot of people that did the, have gone on to do a lot of things not just Richard and I and uh, and uh, it was that was uh, probably from the foundation we started at and Definitely. a lot of that foundation is was rooted here in Pittsburgh that's why we're so excited to tell the story we're yeah. taking a quick break but we're going to come back with more with Chip Ganassi and Rich Volker. We want to dive deep into the engineering and the technology behind what it takes to make a race car win. I can only imagine the data that you're crunching. Everything that you guys are doing to to do what you do, I think I cannot wait to kind of like jump into that. And just want to remind everybody that the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix, it starts, it's July, we're starting here July 7th to the 21st. So literally like it's Friday night, a couple days. It's like two weeks of something going on. And my favorite part is always the Shenley Park races. I just, nothing cooler than watching a 50 year old car hauling butt <laughs> and really just, just hanging it out there and having a great time. And it raises money for a great cause for, for autism. Go to pvgp.org, check it out, get the schedule of events, patronize it, check it out. It's really, it's part of Pittsburgh. It's been around for over three decades and it's a great, great cause. So, uh, once again, this is Jonathan Kersing from the Pittsburgh Technology Council, helping tech companies succeed since 1983. Learn more about us at pghtech.org. Like we said, right back after this quick break. Welcome back, everybody. So glad you can hang out with us here on Tech Vibe Radio. It's always my favorite time of the year when we're in July. It means one thing, the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix. Go to pvgp.org. All kinds of events happening over the next two weeks, culminating with the big old race in Shenley Park. I know you go to pit run this weekend and moving out this week, all types of action going on. It's great for the family and everybody to be there. It supports a great cause with autism. It's been happening in Pittsburgh for decades. It's like a staple of Pittsburgh summer. And I couldn't be more thrilled to be hanging out with Chip Ganassi and Rich Volker here at Chip Ganassi Racing in Pittsburgh. Such fun stuff. And so we got to talk about what it takes to make a race car a race car because there is so much technology. And it is technology that gives you that little bitty edge because people are winning by like hundreds of a second, right? It's like ridiculous. Thousands, thousands yeah. of a second. <laughs> and it'll be ten thousands of a second before we know it, which is just nuts. Now, before we came back on air, you had mentioned that you actually have a rocket scientist on staff, which I think is so cool. Tell us about some of the engineering horsepower that happens here at Chip Ganassi Racing. Well, yes, as you're, we could tell your folks in the uh, off uh, offline a few minutes ago, we were talking about the the type of engineers that we have. You know, we we probably have uh, somewhat over 350 employees, and you know, taking care of maybe nine different cars, and and um, you know, the, it takes. A cadre of of, of 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 different types of engineers, mechanics, of course, right. uh, obviously administration people. But I think we have somewhere upwards of seventy five or eighty engineers I mean, that's on like the a, team. That's, and that's uh, beyond a full blown tech company with the right. number of engineers oh, yeah. that you have. But, but they're having a lot more fun than probably a lot yeah, of engineers. There's, you know, aerodynamicists, right. um, you know, mechanical engineers, electrical engineers, um, uh, you know. Uh, um, 
simulation engineers, right. uh, uh, many, you know, all, all different kinds, and some, uh, some they don't even have names for yet. Exactly. It's like you're an engineer and you're, you're checking right. this out. <laughs> right. And uh, so we're, you know, and, and but the story is that uh, one of our one of our engineers we were talking about is uh, we actually is an older gentleman. One of our lead engineers is a uh, built a data logger for the Gemini space program. There's your and, rocket scientist. Uh, so, so it's, what, what we do isn't rocket science, but if you need a rocket scientist, we have one you, on you, staff. You have one on yes. staff, ready yes. to go, as far as that goes. So I know that race day is a crazy day, and obviously there's tons of action going on, and you're still probably gathering data at that point as to what's going on to make better decisions. And I know, Rich, you've sure. talked about before that you've been up front, up close, at a race, like in the pits. Um, Tell me about time. that. Yeah. Well, the years ago when I used to go to more races before I got married, um, it was interesting to see the pits and the crews and how things were explained. And being new to that, the fuels, and I'm sure that things have changed even from them. But that's I think back it changes in, every week, right? There's probably something new that you're yeah, looking at. It, it is. So it's, it's exciting to be there, if you can hear. But the thing I enjoy the most is having the headphones on okay. and listening to the crew, Chip, and the driver speak and strategize. And I'm sure those strategies have changed as well. Absolutely. Well, you know, I think what Rich is saying too is, you know, we're we're gathering live data from over 120 channels. Okay, so there's sensors all over the sensors car, right? all over the car. Telling you all, all types of things. We have we, real, we have real time yeah. sensors. We have sensors, obviously, that you know are, are, are logged in and then come down and downloaded. But uh, I think real time we're we're somewhere in the neighborhood of half that 120, and probably another another half so you're filling servers up pretty quick pretty quick with yes. lots of data yes that you have to then go and crunch yes and look at and analyze and so obviously like i mean you're that data scientist on board as well too they're able to fortunately one of our sponsors is ntt data so they're into big oh, data they know they how kinda, to, they, kinda they know how to access that information when we need it so we just so those are the guys that you a use few, a few keystrokes and you can get the information you need yes so as, as your engineers kind of parse through all this data i mean what are they looking for like at the end of the day obviously from an aerodynamic standpoint from an engine management standpoint yes. all different areas right we monitor things from from you know engine exhaust inlet temperature, okay. exit uh, you know exit exhaust exit temperature, uh, fuel temperature, fuel pressure, uh, and all these are things uh, that basically you look at. And you can tell something's a little bit off, and you can find out why. Well, we're so we can we can here. actually tune the car. As we can going. actually tune the car as we're going for the right temperature, the right barometric oh, wow. pressure. So you're right, and we're tuning data each. as it's happening, and then you can we can make it faster, more efficient. As you're actually racing, you can dial that stuff in? Actually tuning on an eight-cylinder engine, we can tune each cylinder. Oh, jeez, that's so, so cool. So it's, it's, oh my it's, God, that's it's pretty so interesting. Fun. You know, to get maximum power, you want to tune right. each cylinder for its its exact temperature. Oh, yes. my goodness. So you can tell, like, if number H running a little bit hot, you do something to make it run cooler. Yes, put a little more fuel in there, cool it down a little bit or wow. something. and all that something that might give you that one one-hundredth of a second. Sure. At the end of the race, that gives you another trophy in your case, right? Exactly. And makes your sponsor super happy. And you Usually, happy. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> That's why it's so cool, the idea that we're taking all this data, all this stuff that's coming from the environment and from the car, and then you're crunching that down, and then you're adjusting and doing that on the fly. And then you're probably taking that data as well, too, afterwards. And uh, on Monday, you're going through everything that happened on Sunday and seeing how you can do better for next next Sunday, right? I mean, no question. There's some post, uh, post-mortem uh, after each weekend, a post-race uh, you know, go go back through how can we have done things better? And right. if you if you don't win, there's always some reason. And a lot of times, when you do win, you need to go back and look. Very very cool. 
I have a question for Chip myself. Yeah. As you look at other sports, uh, they're talking about making the football field bigger because the players are bigger. The basketball court's bigger. The golf course longer and because technology is pushing things yeah, so Yeah, it's far making out. it easier for... for, for so for when is race car driving going to just exceed a certain speed limit where it's just... Or do they keep a lid on that somehow to say, here's a standard and here's a standard deviation that you can't go past? Is there a wall? It's interesting you say that, Rich. It's a good point. The, uh, you know, Most of these race circuits you go to, they were built... You know, Indianapolis obviously was built... Uh, in the in the early 1900s, as a test track, in in the central part of the United States, and the top speeds then were like maybe 80 miles an hour. 70. I think <laughs> so, okay. the, first, the first winner, Ray Haroon, averaged 71 miles an Ooh, hour. Blistering. I think uh, so. You know, you have but but in, in more, more recently, you have tracks that were built in the 60s and uh, 70s and 80s. Most of these tracks were built for cars that had four or 500 horsepower, and you know today we have upwards of a thousand horsepower or 800 or 900. And it would be unlimited if the if the, if the rules makers didn't keep say, it right. on on the speeds. Uh, you know, at Indianapolis, we're at two over two hundred and thirty miles an hour average, average, average. And uh, you know, it's over you know two forty on the straightaways. That's what you did in your rookie year, wasn't it? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I was just around two hundred in my rookie year. Okay, but uh, but you you know, so you have the rules makers on one hand. Keeping the lid on on speeds, and on the other hand, you got ten times as many engineers trying to make the cars go faster. Right. So right. you always have this sort of push pull thing going on, where uh, you know the, the the people are making the cars more efficient, faster, lighter, stronger, safer, and uh, and you have these rules makers on the top keeping the lid on speeds because you want to keep the driver in the in the mix as part of the program. You know, you don't want the driver to be. A robot who's sort gonna, of just exactly, right. steering a rocket. It still has to come to some driver skill here at the end yes, of the day, right? Yes, do, you do have to put some driver. The human, we don't want to take the human factor out of the sport. Exactly, right. That makes total sense. Now, speaking of that, I was going to ask you around this. So, recently I did a uh, tour around Pittsburgh, our road trip 2.0 in a Tesla Model S, and I used the autonomous pilot mode. And it was pretty interesting. But I'm like, wait a second. I actually enjoy driving a car. I don't want to have to, like, let off of the wheel and just let the car drive for me. What are your thoughts on electric vehicles and autonomous technology making us Well, more- first of all, you may not know, but I was involved with uh, the uh, the DARPA challenge with Carnegie Mellon yeah. University. Ah, okay, absolutely. Way back with, when. With, like, with Red uh, Whitaker. Red Whitaker, right, yes, right. and the Red Team. Oh, yes. I was very uh, very instrumental early on. You were telling me how to make it go faster, right? No, we were just – yeah, early on, you know, I remember the – you know, we, we almost were going to have our own vehicle. They wanted, The kids wanted to build their own vehicle. The students wanted to have their own vehicle. I said, no. I said, why don't we just start with a Hummer or something? That, <laughs> something that works. Let's, let's build a computer to do all the rest of the stuff. Let's, exactly. That's let's so start cool. with something tried and true already. And uh, that seemed to work out well. And uh, so uh, it, it wasn't but a few years into that program, they were calling them in those days, they were called robotic vehicles. They were right. The word autonomous it didn't, didn't, didn't exist. exist. Right. Right. Exactly. right. That's so interesting. You were part of that early yes, on. That yes. And some of those time. some of those young students at the time, you know, I remember Chris Armson and uh, okay. some of these guys have gone on to bigger and better things, Absolutely. whether at Apple or Google mm-hmm. or Uber. And uh, it's been a real it was a real pleasure to be involved in that program. So so that's my my experience with uh, with autonomous. 
was in the early stages, and I think there's a book coming out soon about those Absolutely. those early. Uh, what about electric early, vehicles? And electric, I think electric has a place. You know, it's interesting. People in my generation, Jonathan, grew up with the 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 you know the gasoline internal combustion engine on ninety nine percent of the vehicles probably out there, maybe a little bit of diesel growing up. And 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 I think in the next ten years, you're going to see you're going to see electric vehicles out there, or you're going to see a a uh, hybrid electric definitely you're going to see there's 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 a, a a place in the world for diesel i still think there's no no more efficient way to move bulk right weight than diesel, than diesel you know uh, uh and i think you're still going to see the internal combustion gasoline engine and each one of those uh does something uh, you may even see natural gas as well i think definitely i think so you're going to see six or right eight now, different right? different um uh packages that 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 are going to go forward in in some sense. Right. Electric maybe for somebody in the city that doesn't exactly. have far to travel. Exactly. Uh, uh, elect, hybrid electric uh, for someone that's maybe in the city but wants to go to the away on the weekends. Uh, you're going to see uh, natural gas for someone that comes back to base every night, like a, exactly like a police car or a, a Federal Express, somewhere UPS, those types where you come back to base every night. Natural gas is probably the most efficient to do that. Very cool. So stuff, uh, right? you're going to see a lot of different things, and there's some. There are lots of exciting things going on in the automotive tech right it now. It is, I and you're you. at the forefront of it. And I'm so honored that we had the chance to talk to you. Give us some great time to talk about what's going on, and I've learned so much. And I'd some Pittsburgh, you know, we've got Chip Ganassi Racing here doing what they're doing. We have Rich Volker and what he's doing here with his deep roots in the automotive industry. I can't think of a better way to promote the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix, which is just kicking off over the next two weeks. Go to pvgp.org and just look at all the great events and go attend some and have some fun. It raises money for a great cause. It's for all about autism. And uh, at the end of the day, what can you say? Pittsburgh's a great place to be owning a car, driving a car, racing a car, and uh, nerding out on technology. So it's just as simple as that. Anyhow, this is John the Cursing with the Pittsburgh Technology Council. Thanks for tuning in, and you'll see me at the uh, Grand Prix this weekend.